episode 244 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Tuesday edition, and I am Paul Spore, joined, as always, on Tuesdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how are you doing this week? Uh, just frantic and crazy and uh, trying to – we're about to move and uh, have a birthday party for me this weekend, and uh, so it's uh, going to be crazy. Happy birthday early. When, when is the official day? Tomorrow. Awesome. Congratulations. That's that's fantastic. I don't know if that's congratulations. More into it, like, now I get depressed about my birthdays. Yeah, I, I know that you get to a certain <laughs> point. It's like now you're just like, ah, really? Really? Um, <laughs> that old... Moving is what you should be really depressed about. Oh, that is – it's the uh, unmitigated worst. They're, 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 <laughs> it's just always the worst. Everyone says it because it's true. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, everyone says that because it, nothing is truer. There's nobody who's like <laughs> – Moving's pretty cool. No way. I mean, and it's and it's really just the most annoying because we're moving out of this house, and I know we're moving back into this house in a year. So it's oh like, my God. it's like a temporary move, and it just feels like the saddest thing. You're like, why, why, why? Um, yeah, All I can that, think that... about is how a year from now maybe I won't have to move for you know five years or something. So it's it's a good feeling when you feel like you don't have to move for a while, though. I've only lived outside of obviously living with my parents in the house, but as on my own, I've only lived really in apartments. So it's always been kind of that temporary. You don't really know. It could be once the year leases up, it yeah. could be a couple of years. It's uh, a little bit easier too, because you, you pare down your stuff because you, you live in a smaller place and mm-hmm. you're, you don't like buy big things. Like you don't start home brewing when you're in an apartment, <laughs> like buy all the kettles and do all that crap. You do that when you have a house. So, Moving from house to house is so much worse. We, yeah, absolutely. I, I left apartments uh, when I came out to here, and when we moved out of, we we lived in one house for like three, four years, um, and uh, when we moved out of that thing, it was so painful because the we had a, a garage and um, uh, a basement. Oh, so and lots. And we started of getting into the basement. I was like, "What is this stuff? <laughs> Where did this come from? How it's do not- I have this?" Burn it all. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, my last move, the one I talked about, you know, couple, just a couple months ago, we're only in here uh, about a month and a half now, was just getting rid of stuff. I was like, I don't need it. I don't need. It. I was a little overzealous on a couple things. I'm like, I wish I had that still. But it, like <laughs> one one of the things was like a chair. It's like it's a chair, dude. Go get another chair. It's no big deal. <laughs> anyway, best of luck with that, uh, and 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 hopefully you have a great birthday party. Let's talk some baseball news. We got to start a little bit on the down end here. A couple injuries to some uh, all star players. One not so much an all star currently. But the first one definitely is playing like a superstar. That's Freddie Freeman. He's going to hit the disabled list with a wrist injury. We were talking a little bit off air before we started about how, you know, he's killing it this year. This was a guy I didn't have because I was really worried about that club. Not so much anything with him. I was just like, do I really need um, another 18 homers and 78 ribbies? Uh, You know, Freddie Freeman had 78 ribbies on a team that had Justin Upton and um, Jason Hayward last year. And I know Hayward wasn't amazing, but, you know, and Evan Gaddis, three pretty key components. And he only managed 78 ribbies in 162 games. What was he going to do with this club? Well, Freeman already has 12 homers and 41 ribbies. That offense has really surprised, particularly against right-handers. It's been kind of a contact-heavy team. Just kind of keep the keep the train moving, basically, to get to Freeman uh, has been the has been the goal. He was pacing for 31-01, uh, but obviously that's going to take a hit with this disabled list. Are you worried about the wrist being a long-term issue? I know we talk about wrists and shoulders with power; they're both concerning. Where, where do you come out with Freeman now? You mentioned that you have him on a team. Would you want to move him or hang on? 
you know, it, it's really hard. Uh, you know, I, this is worse for hitters. Like, this is definitely uh, wrist and shoulder are the problems, uh, problem spots for, for, for hitters. Like, if it was a groin thing, you, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't be too worried. But, um, you know, it, it is worth worrying about this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's weird that it didn't seem to be serious and they seemed to think it would be okay. Um, and you know, there's no, we didn't get real word about what happened with the MRI. Um, but, uh, suddenly he's on the d disabled list. I don't even really know what it is. No, it's, know? it like, seemed to happen so fast and kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't like some buildup. Okay. Now he's going to have to hit the wrist. Like, uh, like we could have maybe seen with Altuve's hamstring injury where he's missing a bunch of games here. It was just like, boom. Well, he had a cortisone shot. Yeah, I guess they didn't really tell us about it until, until. But he had a cortisone shot last week, so mm -hmm. you know, there's it's been going on for a little bit. But um, you know, yeah, the, the real news didn't come out until uh, you know he acknowledged he might not play. But you know, it's funny. I'm going through all of his different uh, mentions of the wrist, and not one of them says what it is. That's weird. That's you know, weird. Maybe we'll get more info. Right wrist sprain is the thing I can get. Well, yeah, I guess that's that's a big deal. I mean, if it was a broken handmade bone or uh, a broken wrist, uh, you know, that sort of stuff is a bigger deal. I, it's not yet to the level of Will Myers, so I don't think, um, you know, this is something that's that's an ongoing issue just yet. And uh, yeah, I just well, I wouldn't sell him. And you know, for what it's worth, I've always said that I'm not sure that you know Freeman will hit 30 homers ever, and if he does, maybe just once. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of sad that he's getting hurt this year because you know he had an outside chance to do it this year. Yeah, he uh, was he was headed that way. Um, you know, that's obviously I saw his career, and um, you know he, he was definitely on pace for it. Also, the most fly balls of his career, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, the, the you know the biggest you know ground ball fly ball ratio headed towards the fly ball side. Um, you know, so you know greatest hard hit percentage, which has been you know one of his best assets all the way through. So. Um, you know, anyway, let's hope it's a short, uh, short stint. That you can still get up to 24, 25 homers and give everybody the return on the investment they were hoping for. That's the thing. He did build up a nice uh, back, uh, you know, kind of bank some great numbers already for Freeman that even the time missed, we're probably just going to put it more in line with what the expectations were coming into the year, as opposed to, you know, if he was pacing for that sub 100 RBI total, and then this cuts further into it, that'd be much more trouble. So it's never great when one of your star players goes down on your team, but if there was any place where it wouldn't be as awful, I would say a first baseman who was already kind of overachieving against expectations, that's not too bad because it, that position is so deep, there's probably a good chance you can fill with yeah. something capable. Get like, um, try like a Mitch Moreland. Um, mm -hmm. If you have two spots on your roster, Mitch Moreland, Moreland plus Adam Lind, uh, you could probably cobble together. Um, you know, 80% Freeman uh, for the next two weeks. So. Uh, absolutely. There, there should be some names out there, even guys like Justin Bohr, Ben Paulson, who are hitting well. They're just not heavily owned because you don't, they don't need to be, even as well as they're hitting. They're not, they're not really yeah, highly a, on the radar at first yeah. base. So, I think I'd probably take Paulson in a deeper league just because, you know, the Rockies are home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's talk about Jared Weaver. His hip injury is going to send him to the disabled list, and we're hearing that. Uh, did I say Jeff or Jared? I think I said Jeff, but uh, obviously <laughs> I meant Jared. 
uh, Jared Weaver with a hip injury. You idiot. <laughs> Total idiot. But he's been pitching like Jeff lately. That's the problem. Yeah, that's 475 ERA, 12% strikeout rate is the real issue right now. So even though Jared Weaver nearly cut his walk rate in half from 7.3% to 4% this year, the effects just aren't there because everything else is, has been pretty, pretty rough for him. Tons of homers, no strikeouts. It's not going well for Weaver. They're not expecting to get him back before the All-Star break. Uh, but the the way that everything kind of works out, uh, it might only be a couple of starts that they're going to miss from him because of off days and, and of course, the All-Star break itself. So that part kind of helps for the Angels, although, as I just mentioned, it's not like he's killing it, so even replacing him isn't going to be tough. There are going to be some fantasy teams after replacing though, because even though uh, he hasn't had a great year, he's still you know owned in NL or excuse me AL only leagues and probably even in deep mixers as somebody who's you know had a ton of success in the past. So where are you with Jared Weaver? If you have him and you got this injury, is it an easy cut for you? Um, again, let's say in the scope of a league where you'd even own him in the first place. Um, you know, I actually own him in a twelve-team dynasty where you know. We have minor league lists, so all the nice young talent is, you know, not right on the wire. Yeah. And I'm kind of looking at him just being like, ugh, like, what do I do with this roster slot? So I think, you know, there are some, you know, 12-teamers that are kind of, you know, maybe this hip injury is what kept his velocity down. But, you know, I sort of doubt it because the way that's listed is uh, hip irritation. And, um, you know, I just don't think uh, that alone is going to rob. And, you know, the, his velocity is just – you know, trended state straight straight down. So it's not straight like a down. surprise. I mean, it's uh, I mean, yeah, he, d- he dropped from eighty six to eighty four this year, but you know, the years before that, like you know, from twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, it was eighty eight to eighty six. So it's been a pretty linear drop. Um, just getting a little bit more aggressive now. Here, he's at thirty two, thirty three. It's a little bit more than you'd expect. Um, maybe they innings. find something bigger, but they've already run the the MRI and found yep. nothing more than a big deal in there. Nothing big in there. So I would say that it is, um, that his problem is larger than that. And that it's just, uh, probably, uh, not possible to, to continue getting major leaguers out when your fastball goes, you know, 10 miles an hour slower than some people's changeups. It, yeah. It's going to be tough. And the, the fact of it is, um, is he's just not at a level now where you, you need to worry about trying to keep him. You can move on from Jared Weaver uh, in just about any format where you have him right now. Just not enough there. Yeah. Let's talk about Travis D'Arno, who returned to the Mets, was hitting well. Everything was going back, you know, kind of getting back to where they were uh, before he got hurt. And then all of a sudden he, he hurts his elbow after just eight games here. I think it was a play at the plate where he kind of was sticking out his arm to, to make the play. Uh, and it got bent back, if I'm recalling, the the, the, the right play that hurt uh, Travis D'Arno. Not back on the disabled list yet, but this hyperextension uh, has, has made him day-to-day. Obviously, Ploiecki will play in his stead. Where are you at with Travis D'Arno? Because we're kind of in the midst of a breakout season, but if he can't stay on the field, it's going to be hard to fulfill that breakout. You know, it's it's been going on. You know, it's kind of been you know, a, a, a thing for him, you know, there's, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And that's part of catching for one, but also even beyond that, I mean, he's got a lot of uh, double digit games totals in, in the minor leagues. In fact, only two were over a hundred and you know, you're not going to get a, a 
boatload of games in the minors. Obviously, they have a smaller season, but it is surprising to see so few games overall from from Travis Darnold in his minor league career. Yeah, and I mean, the good news is uh, Adam Rubin is reporting that uh, he's going to be back tonight. Um, and uh, so maybe this one isn't such a big deal. And, okay. you know, he's really been, um, you know, a great find this year. And, uh, you know, I was hoping that one of Grandal or Darno uh, would break out to make me look good. But um, both have. I'll take both. But you know, here, here are his uh, the list of ailments. Um you know, not including this year. Right elbow soreness last year, a concussion last year. That's sort of a catcher. Right shoulder contusion on a foul ball, catcher. Uh, left foot fracture off a foul ball, 104 days in the minors. Ouch. Left knee sprain on a partial PCL tear in uh, 2012. Looks like he didn't have surgery. Um, and then he had a herniated disc in 2010. So... Yeah, there's a decent amount of, and then there's some undisclosed ones in 10, 2010, 2011. So there's, I would say, a little bit above and beyond the regular catcher duty there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, stay tuned. It's it's a day-to-day situation right now. But it, obviously if somebody is already kind of, uh, you know, it's tough to use the phrase injury prone because sometimes injuries happen to guys. But somebody who's experienced some injuries, we know that that's the best indication that they'll get injured in the future and he plays a position that is very susceptible to them so that's the whole point here uh with our note is that you you just can't you can't really pencil him in there uh for the for the playing time until we really see a run of health that kind of suggests that the tide has turned a little bit there but by all means get Darnold in when he's playing because he's been fantastic this year 873 OPS 296 average and four homers in his 77 plate appearances so far again carrying on after showing some nice signs last year Let's talk about Erasmo Ramirez. You know, uh, he's got a 14% swinging strike rate since joining the rotation on May 14th. That's the 12th best in major leagues. Of course, uh, it all came to a crashing halt yesterday when he left early with a groin injury. He's got a 234 ERA and 42 in the third innings since joining the rotation as well. Erasmo Ramirez is somebody who got some love back in the day. In fact, Jason and I were really high on him a couple years back just wasn't coming together and in fact earlier this year i was like i i I just can't right now i gotta see i have to see an actual extended uh, period of of success before i'm gonna jump back on well i've seen that period of success i have jumped back on for erasmo ramirez but now the injury complicates things what do you do with a groin injury to uh somebody who's definitely a waiver pickup like erasmo ramirez do you make the move early and 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 move on um you know before he hits the dl or do you just kind of wait and see I uh, I think he's probably a deeper league guy for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I, I haven't uh, picked him up in any twelve teamers uh, or fifteen teamers, um, and uh, and so you know I think you just it, it, you're closer to a sort of a warm body type league, uh, and and he is a starter. So I think I would hold on to him as long as possible. Um, you do have to wonder. Uh, who is going to go soon? Because because they're going to start to get guys. I mean, they have 412 pitchers on the disabled list. Some are coming back for sure, but some are expected back. More, more there's starting to be some news about Matt Moore. Yeah. Um, And uh, and him getting closer. You might think that Colome is uh, the first to go, um, but you never know. Yeah, you never know how much... um, 
goodwill. Uh, you know, the newcomer. I mean, Colombe is the is the is the um, the team's asset that they've been watching for a while. Whereas Erasmo might just be like, "Hey, we found something." But yeah, uh, over the last month, uh, Erasmo has a two-two ERA, uh, and Colombe has Colombe has a four-two ERA. So I have to think, um, you know. Odorizzi, it probably goes something like Archer, Odorizzi, and Carnes. Carnes been great, and and they're protecting him, so the innings really aren't uh, huge there. They're they're really protecting him from that third time through the through the order. But honestly, you trade those innings for the improved ratios that he's showing as a result. And I think they're doing the same with Erasmo, and they're kind of pushing him out a little bit further every time. You know, it's not a hard and fast. You're out after five, no matter what. It's it's let's see what's going on here. But those two guys specifically have really struggled, Carnes and uh, Erasmo Ramirez, with the third time through. In fact, from second to third time, Carnes goes from 6.15 to 8.15 on his OPS allowed. So you know, changeup is not is it's not there really. I mean, I you know I've. I mean, I guess I can admit it now um, because I made I made a I made my big trade when I uh, uh, I got uh, Miguel Cabrera from Mookie Betts, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people are biting on my cards. But I, you know, the, one of the reasons I'm trying to sell on the cards, the 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 movement still looks okay, uh, but when you watch it, it's just not very consistent, and um, it's you know it got a little bit less drop this year. Um, and uh, he just doesn't trust it, even though, you know, even in the 127, he's thrown 14% whiffs and uh, 60% ground balls. So maybe I should just hold on to him. I mean, he's, he's kind of frustrating for me because there is um, a bit of a lack of command there. There's a really nice rise ball with good velocity, really nice knuckle curve. And then this changeup that you just kind of, you can look at it three different ways, um, you know, in, in a single game. So absolutely. Uh, I, I'm not really sure about him. I don't think I would tell uh, mixed leaguers to go out and get him, but um, to go out and get Nate Carnes. But yeah, you you got to be careful in it. Again, we 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 have both of these guys here, but I I, tr- I kind of trust the way Tampa's utilizing them. I like this deployment of both Erasmo Ramirez and Nate Carnes. I'm a little bit more uh, bullish on both than than I think you are right now. Um, I understand the, the flaws with Carnes. But the fact is, I think that so do the so do the Rays, and it seems sometimes like teams, you know, you're like, do you even understand that the the, the major flaw plaguing uh, this pitcher? And if you just did this, you might be able to get, uh, you know, better uh, better innings out of him. And it seems like they have, particularly with Carnes, because uh, actually, as I'm looking at it now, Erasmo hasn't had that third time issue so far this year, but he also doesn't always get to even go through the third time because of his issues with it in the past. So uh, we'll see on both of them. I agree with you that... Uh, and for what it's worth for Carnes, he's actually pushed the, the, the change of usage a little higher. So, so he's there was a time on. for like four or five straight starts where he like he he threw uh, in five starts and, uh, combined, uh, he threw, um, let's see here, five, seven, uh, 15 change-ups. So he's oh, wow. averaging like three a start. And, you know, I that was when I sort of last checked in on him and was like, hey. But uh, the last four starts, he's averaging closer to 15 uh, per start. Okay. Um, so I think that's uh, that's a good sign. That's, I agree. Uh, Maybe he's he's worked something out. I'd love to talk to him about it. But uh, yeah, uh, Rasmo, uh, I think is a hold, and uh, just gotta hope. 
Definitely. Uh, and, and they're going to have him throw in the bullpen a little bit. Obviously, he wasn't taxed, only going three innings yesterday. Throw in a bullpen a little bit today for Erasmo, see how he feels with the, uh, with the groin. When he woke up today, it felt way better. Actually, this, uh, this, this outing, for, for some reason, I thought this outing was yesterday. It was Saturday. So he woke up Sunday, felt way better. He is going to have the bullpen today per usual. And then we'll find out uh, if, the, if a DL stint is going to come about uh, after this with Erasmo. Let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, some non-injury news that, that, that we're dealing with. And this is that time of the year you know, where uh, rumors are all over the place for trades. Teams are being linked to players with the slightest shred of interest. And then we all start dreaming. Oh my God, what if they got this guy? Oh my God, it'd be amazing. And, and 1% of it might come to fruition. <laughs> However, it's still fun to talk about. I don't, I don't care that it's not a high success rate. Uh, it's still fun to talk about and, and kind of, Oh, what if, what if they did this and that, how would it change everything? The big one right now is the, the surprise Texas Rangers who, you know, were expected to be kind of a bottom feeder this year, particularly once injuries started to hit them again the way they did last year. Uh, all of a sudden, they're in second place, just four games out behind the Astros. They're being linked with Cole Hamels. There's some ongoing discussions here. Um, you know, no real concrete uh, information about exactly what's being talked about, but this just opens it up for even more speculation now that we can talk about who they might get. Obviously, this is an amazingly important trade for the Phillies specifically to kind of get that uh, that big core to to start rebuilding around with some of the other pieces that they have. What do you what do you see here as a potential? Do you see this as a potential deal that could really work? And what do you think, in your estimation, Texas would have to give to get this done uh, realistically? I I know Amaro's going to want uh, Gallo, you Darvish, Nolan Ryan, Nomar Mazzara. Uh, Lou Brinson, uh, Rusty Greer, and half of Texas's land to get it done. But what do you think realistically will 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 get this done if it's a possible deal? Yeah, you know, I think I would probably, um, you know, I think I'd probably trade anybody that they wanted. Um, Even you know, Gallo? No. Or limit it to non-major leaguers. Yeah, I guess I meant non-major leaguers. And also, um, you know, usually, it's not always the case, but usually, um, you know, you're, uh, usually pitcher deals kind of include pitchers, right? Sure. And so I guess what I'm saying is I would trade any pitcher that they own for Cole Hamels. Yeah, even like uh, Jake Thompson has really emerged since they got him from the Tigers in that in that Joaquin Soria deal uh, as a big-time prospect. I would include him. Obviously, maybe you could parlay Chi-Chi's excellence, so I would even maybe include a major leaguer uh, yeah, if like, they got really like, hot. I would trade Chi-Chi. their entire pitching staff <laughs> for Cole Hamels. <laughs> we will give you the entire staff for Anybody Hamels, and we're just going to use Hamels every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Luke Jackson has some issues and might be a future reliever. Uh, Jake Thompson, you know, there were, uh, you know, conflicting ideas um, about, um, you know, uh, him being a bullpen guy or not. Yeah, Uh, I remember that when he was with the Tigers. And we've talked about Chichi Gonzalez and how weird uh, his movement is on his pitches (laughs) and how low his strikeout rates have been. And, you know, really, uh, even at this point in 
you know, a smallish uh, sample for a major leaguer, um, you know, I kind of would want him to have like a 60% ground ball rate. Um, you with know, just with these me. with these crazy more more walks yeah. than strikeouts, I agree with you. Yeah, and and I don't see that yet. So uh, yeah, I would give up Chichi. Yeah, I give up Chichi. I give up uh, I give up Chichi. I give up uh, maybe one of Thompson and Jackson just to keep you know some pitching around. Definitely, especially uh, if I'm giving Chichi. If I because then you can sell. Listen, we're giving you a major leaguer who's pitching very well for us. Yeah. Um, you know, with a .90 ERA and a one WHIP. Sure, the skills say that. Uh, some sort of crash is coming with that, with that strikeout, but I still think that the Phillies would be like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's something that we we can work with, and then one of those other two, and then maybe some other, you know, not throw-ins, but more complimentary pieces, not necessarily their top top guys. Uh, yeah, and like I give, I give up Brinson over Mazzara. I really love Mazzara, mm-hmm. um, so I'd give up Brinson over Mazzara and um, and hope that got it real close. I mean, Brinson, Chichi. Uh, and, and, uh, and Thompson or Jackson. Yeah. And I think that, I think, I mean, it all depends on how the other side evaluates those players, you know? Yeah. That, Oh, if that didn't, if that didn't really get it close, then I think Ruben's out of his mind at that point. Um, I I, I know they, he, the, the rumors are at least that he wants more than that. Yeah. Um, and, but then he, he, he claimed a lot of those rumors were not true. I mean, the, uh, that he was asking for Bryant or whatever. So, um, you know, he might be asking for Gallo. But you know what? I think that what we learned from the Houston Astros um, uh, document dump, uh, leak, whatever, was that uh, I think most of the teams do this. And, you know, I think this is what happens. And I think it happens even on a fancy level, which is that if you have a better – if you have a decent relationship with a guy, uh, he can say something like, like you know, I want blah, blah, blah. And you just sort of ignore it, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk about other players and you, since you talk to that person regularly and you text him or you, or you chat him on Google or, or you're, you're used to emailing him, then these emails sort of, these, these trades sort of happen after a while, even though at one point someone said something that if maybe someone you didn't have a relationship said to you, you'd be like, I'm not going to talk to you again. Like someone just sent me a, uh, an offer. Uh, I I try. I'm trying to get some speed. He sent me uh, Segura and Denard Span, and he wants my Degrom and Salazar. And oh you know, I'm kind of like, you know, like, you just don't want to throw something. You know, right. like, shut up. Like, what are you yeah, talking that, about? That You're would make me mad. Two fringe, like, 15 to 20 stolen base. I mean, no, I, I I like Segura a little bit more than most, and I think I was actually trying to trade for Segura, but. You're gonna ask for my two aces after I've climbed my way out of the basement in that league, and now I'm fourth. That was the league where I got Soler and didn't spend any money on the on the pitching staff. I'm now oh, fourth, yeah, yeah. and uh, and I can't give up on the pitching because I've cobbled together and you know a decent staff by picking up guys like Salazar and Noah Syndergaard and stuff like that. So I you know I can't really give up two guys like that and spawn doesn't really move my needle at all so you know he's a decent guy but i'm not gonna spend like assets to get him and segura i think the marketplace is saying you know you know he's not worth anyway the point is uh i don't i kind of don't want to talk to him anymore yeah but if i it was a friend i might you know just sort of groan 
and get back in there and do it again. I think this happens in front offices too. So I, I think that's a great point to be honest because yeah, you you could if if I send you a trade like that, you'd be like, dude, sport, get real. Like you could clown me and. It wouldn't be uncomfortable or anything like that because we are friends. We might actually still get a deal done. At exactly. The end of it, you know? Like you know, you're asking too much. Let's really hammer it like, out. Let but, me give you Noah Syndergaard for Zagura or something. I don't know. You but know, if you like, don't know that person. Like you said, you're going to close the door. And be like this guy is not going to be reasonable. I'm not going to be able to get any sort of deal done. So yeah, I, I I totally get that, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, this this next month is going to be key for Amaro, and he he could put a nice bow on 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 his tenure, which obviously went sideways here at the end, but I also thought he had a pretty good off season this year with the trades they made. And if he can get a nice deal here, and I think some of the speculation that we're talking about with the Rangers would be a perfectly good deal. Then all of a sudden it, it, it's certainly not as bad. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything outside of maybe one of those crazy over the top Mookie Betts or Blake Swihart, whatever those rumors were, nothing like that could completely flip the perception of Amaro, but a really good trade with the Rangers or some other team, I think compared with this past off season uh, for Amaro could at least put a nice little shine on the, on the back end of his tenure. There's also a lesson in here for fantasy owners, which is that you can get away with more, um, you know, in your trade negotiations, if you are personable and um, don't browbeat people. And, yes, and, or and, rip on their players that you actually want, things like that. Yeah. Lame as hell. And so because I just got through a, ne a negotiation, I put Trout on the block in my Auto New League. He's $56. Um, and just for background for people who don't play Auto New, uh, that means he's probably capable for maybe one or two years because – uh, people don't generally keep players much over 60. Even Miguel and uh, Cabrera in his peak was kind of like a 60, 62 kind of guy. Very few people keep guys over 60. Um, and there's an arbitration process where at the end of the season, uh, we all put money on each other's players. And so um, I can have as much as $3 to put just on Trout. So I could put okay. $3 on Trout. And we can push him up to you know 65 if we wanted to get him back on the, on the market. Um, and, uh, so he may not even keep him, he may not even want to keep him, um, you know, next year at some huge, okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe let's call him a year long. Let's keep a keeper for this next year, but maybe not beyond that because depending on how the rest of the league acts with, uh, putting money on him. So, uh, because he also has an $18 Brian and maybe everybody wants to put all their money on Brian. Um, so that's that's Andy Barron's who I'm talking to, uh, who has an $18 Brian. He now has my $56 Trout. Uh, but in the process, uh, I had basically three major deals because there aren't that many buyers in this league, and so I, I talked to the three major buyers, and um, and I put Trout on the table. One guy came to me with Gallo, um, and uh, it was it was Gallo or Dickerson um, as the key piece, mm -hmm. and uh, the second and tertiary pieces were uh, pieces I was not interested in. Alan Hansen, um, you know, real sort of maybe not even top 100 type prospects, sort of back-end uh, prospects that I just wasn't interested in. I'd rather have young uh, major league talent or super close kind of elite talent. Uh, the other offer uh, was centered on Addison Russell, and I tried to get Addison Russell and Mookie Betts. That would have been... Ooh. The, the deal I would have been happiest about. In fact, yes. I started adding in stuff. John Axford, you know, you're, you know, one year guys, Matt Holiday, who I might not keep. I started adding in all these guys and said, here's, here's a, here's a group of players that can fix a lot of your needs. 
and you just need to give me Betts and Addison. But the guy wouldn't, uh, you know, Chad Young wouldn't pull the trigger. Um, so, um, you know, the uh, the Gallo owner um, uh, talked to me as if I didn't know what I was talking about, about Gallo. <laughs> and, um, and basically uh, brought up that um, his strikeouts shouldn't be relevant to me. Um, and that as a seller, his rest of season projections shouldn't be relevant to me. Um, and I did not understand where he was coming from. And I just kind of just petered out. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any interest in this. You know, Chad, I, I text with and chat with constantly. And we were working towards something that was kind of as he gave me a, a deal that I was looking at was Addison Russell, uh, Jameson Tyon, Yasmani Tomas. Um, and I forget what the fourth piece was. And it was kind of like, you know, ah, you know, people, you, everybody here knows that I don't love Yasmani Tomas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Addison, yes, he's an MI, which is huge in, in auto new, but I'm not sure it's a batting average It's a five by five league and he's striking out a bunch too. And I'm not sure what his true talent, uh, batting average is going to be going forward. And he's not really a speedster. So if he's like, you know, the, 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 the Johnny Peralta we knew in Cleveland, you know, then, um, then I think I would have lost the deal pretty handily. Sure. Um, so the deal I ended up taking, which a lot of people on Twitter said they didn't like, which maybe, uh, you know, goes to Andy Varence's just general reasonability as a human being. And, uh, the fact that, you know, he didn't yell at me in the negotiation <laughs> and we just kind of like kept doing offers. I got, uh, a cheap Will Myers, Rosny Castillo, uh, like a $5 Lance McCullers and um, uh, Roberto Osuna and um, super cheap Roberto Osuna in a league where all of the like setup men are owned. Yeah. And um, I forget, uh, forget what the last piece was, but that's, that's the heart of the, the deal, right? Oh, and Wilmer Difo, Difo, whatever. Oh yeah. Wil- Wil- Wilmer Difo from uh, Washington, a, a middle infield like, prospect, I believe. Yeah. He's a middle infield prospect. A shot in the dark. He may get the he may get the job before if they let Esmond, Ian Desmond go, which it really looks like it to me. Especially the way uh, he's. Pl- I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. not doing anything that says keep me. Right, and uh, for a hundred million, uh, and uh, so um, uh, you know, I think he may get the, ch- the chance before Trey Turner because Turner's further away. So you know, Defoe may end up at second, and Espinosa at short or something. You know, there's there's a lot of baseball left to be played, in other words. But uh, that was a that was a shot in the dark. That's the kind of – that's a cherry on top in my, in a trade negotiation with me. You know, Alan Hansen yeah. is not your second piece in a trade negotiation with me. Alan Hansen is the very last piece that you throw in and say, yeah, maybe he'll do something. Yeah, this, so, this, this um, should be the, the push-it-over-the-top sort of sort Right, of so for me – Myers between Myers and Rusney, I hope to get uh, a good cheap outfielder. I I'm, I don't necessarily think that both is going to happen because we've got the Myers wrist and Rusney's not playing that well, and they're both a little bit older. But at least they're major leaguers that have a decent amount of leash, have shown something in the major leagues, and uh, have a good shot. Uh, I would say better than fifty percent shot. Um, you know, better than a lot of prospects. So agreed. I like that. And then McCullers is just hot fire. So I, I you know, I got uh, a really nice pitcher at a really low cost. And um, you know, it's not the best deal. And a lot of people on Twitter said I got took, but and and maybe I did. 
Maybe I, if I had just like allowed myself to be browbeaten, I could have gotten Gallo and Dickerson. I doubt it though, because I know other people are talking to him in similar mega deals and he's not putting both of them on the table. So if I didn't get Gallo and Dickerson, uh, there's no, I don't think there's necessarily a better deal out there for me. Here's the thing though. You, you make a really important point there about, uh, you know, if you had gotten browbeaten into, you got to feel comfortable making a deal. And this is the one that you <laughs> felt comfortable making and felt good about. I don't, I don't think you got taken. I, I don't, um, you know, I don't know if I would trade him at all though. So that's my, that's the only thing right. I, but, but if you are going to trade him, then, you know, I, Sure, that Russell Betts would have been the the one hundred percent best case scenario. Yes, that's the one I wanted. Uh, but I think there's a lot of wiggle room in between that being best case scenario and then you know um, losing, which which again you said a lot of folks said you lost. So I don't know. Uh, let me get let me get that deal one more time so I can put that in the podcast post and then we'll have folks say whether they think it was good or bad. So you gave up Mike Trout, and then what was the, what was the full return? Will Myers, Rusny, Castillo, and then go from there? Uh, Myers, uh, Castillo, McCullers, um, Difo. Um, McCullers, Jr. And Wilmer, Difo. Okay, I think that's that's it. Those four, or were there five? No, 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 no. I'm also in like uh, 12th, and my peak has been um, uh, my peak has been uh, getting uh, second place in this league with Trout, okay. um, and uh, just really fell off of that um, in the meantime. And how, how many teams uh, well, I, I also got. Um, did I not get Devon Travis? Well, that'd be a key component to to mention. <laughs> That, that, that would be massive. Uh, yeah, I meant to get him. Oh, you, you said Roberto Asuna. Yeah, Roberto Asuna. Oh, so, yeah, I remember uh, the, the – so this was altered from the offer that you showed me over the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the Travis was in that – it was in that yeah. offer. So Okay, so it's a Trout for Will Myers, Susan Castillo, Lance McCullers Jr., Roberto Asuna, and, and Wilmer Defoe. And it's an auto-new league? Yeah. Uh, how many teams? Twelve. In a twelve-team out of New League. Okay, and I'll just have folks put in what you think uh, in the comments section of the of the podcast post. If you think you got taken or not, and if you don't know, <clears throat> uh, the context matters too because out of New is a lot different than than your than your standard league. So I think that that has to be part of it as well. Because I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody like uh, a Roberto or Osuna. If he even if he's not closing and he kind of goes like uh, Wade Davis on the league or not, not even so much that because that was kind of a historical season, but puts up 65 innings of a two ERA with with 80 strikeouts, that still has a lot of value in new even if it's with no saves, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it's also the kind of league where you have 40 man rosters, so um, typically people own like five to eight relievers. And um, I own people like Bobby Parnell and Addison Reed and Sean Doolittle still because, you know, nobody really cuts their, uh, you know, anybody that has a, any chance of closing. So, uh, you know, and for what it's worth, Osuna just got the last save in Toronto. So. Yeah, I was going to say that when you mentioned him, first save yesterday. Yeah, and so if he does turn into the closer there, and you know, then he actually has a, a, a lot of value. I think he's a big uh, improvement. I did put Axford in the deal, so it's a big improvement 
um, you know, over Axford in terms of, uh, you know, future value. Okay, great. Well, uh, so we'll see what folks think. I think he did fine. Like I said, I wouldn't have done it because I wouldn't trade Trout, but on the deal itself, I certainly don't think that you were were destroyed. Really kind of comes down to what you think of Will Myers um, and the way he was hitting this year. I know he's got the wrist, but the way he was hitting, I, I think that it's a situation where uh, you, you got to be pretty happy about his future outlook. I think this guy's a real hitter uh, who can be pretty great. And then McCullers, whew, he, he's been on fire. Those two could really turn that deal for you. Uh, for our main topic today, we're going to talk about some guys that we just haven't given much play to this year. They're all performing pretty well, either for the full season or, or just recently. And uh, for whatever reason, just because obviously there's a crap ton of major leaguers, uh, we haven't talked a lot about them. Most of these guys are hitters because we do talk a lot about pitching. So we're just going to get into these guys and, you know, I really want your thoughts on, on kind of how they're doing and, you know, if you believe in it, if they're surging uh, or if it's something, you know, just, just your general assessment because we haven't talked enough about them and they deserve more attention. We're going to start with, uh, with, with Brett Gardner, who's having a fantastic season. He's a big reason that the Yankees are playing as well as they are. Obviously, A-Rod's getting the run. I get it. It's deserved. But uh, Brett Gardner has been fantastic by ESPN's player rater, which, you know, gives a value to all five of the main categories, runs, homers, RBIs, stolen bases and average. He's the 11th player in baseball or the 11th hitter, excuse me, uh, with a 9.62 mark for, for you know, uh, comparison's sake. Just ahead of him is Miguel Cabrera at 10.13 and just below him is Justin Upton at 9.59. So Gardner is having a really impressive season so far and I think the best piece of his season is the fact that uh, he's showing that last year's power surge might not have been a fluke and also got the batting average back with it. You know, it looked like kind of a trade-off situation that that last year. Uh, 2013, 8 homers but a 273 average. 2014, 17 homers but then down to 256. So it certainly looked like a trade-off. Well, this year, 290 and already eight homers in 65 games. He's pacing for his first 20 homer season, and Brett Gardner has 15 stolen bases already. So everything's working out for him. This is looking like a career year. Where are you on Brett Gardner for the Yankees? You know, it, it might be a decent time to sell him in a dynasty league if you're, you're sort of rebuilding because of his age, 31. 31. And how badly, um, you know, stolen bases age. He's not going back to the 40s, um, and he may never steal 30 again. Um, that being said, you know, there's a lot of different ways people can provide value, and um, you know, I think that the you know newest wrinkle for him, which is spraying the ball to all fields, you know, highest uh, opposite field percentage in the last uh, three years, um, you know, and uh, really cutting down on his pop-ups. I mean, this is the best pop-up year of his career by far. And he used to maybe, what you'd say, maybe have a, like a slight problem pop, with it. Yeah, have a pop-up problem. And now now you would say that he, he's above, he's above, he's better than average in that from being worse than average in that. So I think that's a decent um, flip to switch, especially for a guy that, you know, with a 322 career Babbitt, you know, there were times where you said, well, you know, this guy's so fleet of foot and he's spraying the ball. Why, you know, didn't, you know, doesn't he have a chance for a plus BABIP? And must, is it all in the strikeouts? Well, he cut the strikeouts too. And he's now he's showing the best power of his career. So I think, you know, what we may find is a little decent mini run of, um, you know, two to three years of 15 15 uh, with That'd a good awesome. batting. 
And, uh, you know, that's a different kind of player. But you think, think about Coco Crisp and how his career started and what he was in the middle of his career and what he's been at the end of his career. So nice uh, I, I think that's a decent sort of roadmap for, for uh, Brett Gardner is, is Coco Crisp, hopefully with fewer injuries. I was going to so say. And, yeah. and so far we have just two DL stints, uh, back one in 2009 and then one in 2012. Those were a thumb and a, and a uh, strained right elbow, respectively. So haven't had too much of that. His games counts uh, in his full seasons were 150, 159, 16. That was the, the 2012 with the, with the elbow. 145 and then 148 last year. So far, uh, 65 of the, um, I think, 70 that they've played so far this year for the Yankees. So Gardner's having a fantastic season. I hear you on, on, on maybe trying to trade sell high uh, at, at this peak. Uh, if you, if maybe if you're kind of rebuilding, but any other scenario, I think I'm just going to hold it because like, like we were just covering, doesn't have a major injury issue that suggests that he's going to get hurt and then come back down uh, to, to his previous levels. I think a lot of what we're seeing, even though it's kind of like a, 31 year old uh, career year. I think a lot of what we're seeing is legitimate here. So I'm, I'm buying in on, on Gardner uh, for sure. There's some improvement also um, when it comes to, and I think this is actually where the most of the oppo comes from um, it, when it comes to his work against lefties. So he's uh, showing the best work of his career against lefties and it's not inflated by Babbitt. So it's not, you know, one of these years like Josh Harrison had last year where, or 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 um, Pierce, both of those guys oh, yeah. are right-handers that you know were wrong side platoon guys, and then had like a 350 BABIP against right-handers uh, last year, and uh, and have you know I wouldn't say they've cratered to the same extent, but Pierce is pretty much cratered, and, and Harrison has come back. You know, I think that they the deal that they signed is okay because he's uh, very multifaceted and can be a, a utility guy plus. And, and still not uh, expensive. I mean, right? Yeah. So I think that was an okay deal, even with his his lowered uh, value. But uh, you know, back to Gardner. Gardner has a 283 value against lefties this year, and he's been tra- traditionally been worse than average against lefties, uh, or at least his career WRC plus is 97. So he's, he's right around average. That takes some of his value away. But this year he's been useful against lefties, and it comes with an ISO, the best ISO of his career. That's interesting, and it's it's kind of, you know, maybe it's not uh, something we can totally believe in yet, but also the biggest opposite field percentage of his career against lefties, and uh, he's hitting the most ground balls against lefties. So I'm actually in the middle of a post that's taken me about three, four weeks, and I can't, and I can't, I've been banging my head against the wall. But what what's going on is that I that Ender Inciarte told me that against left-handers, in order to avoid having a platoon split, against left-handers, he has a different approach. So he lets the ball travel further, and he goes opposite field, and he's more patient. Um, And, you know, he hits more ground balls. You know, Brett Gardner looks like he's taking a page from Ender Enciarte. He's he's hitting three times uh, ground balls per fly ball, and he's spraying to the opposite field against lefties, and he's having results. And I think it's... I think it's it's possibly sustainable in that, and and that's what my research piece is is, is trying to be about is finding out if that's a is if that's an actual platoon busting approach that people can use. So having two to different prove. approaches. Right, exactly. But I think that uh, it, that could be something for Gardner. That's awesome. And uh, by the way, you know, Gardner was awesome yesterday, but not not. 
it's not the only reason that he made it on this list, but he happened to have a four for four game with his eighth homer, two runs, three ribbies. Uh, somebody on the other side of the field yesterday in that same game was amazing, even more so. Four for five uh, with five ribbies, three runs scored, and two bombs, including his eighth and ninth homers. And that was Michael Franco, who's our next guy to talk about. Somebody I don't think we've really made too much mention of at all. Um, you know, 22-year-old, last year had an ugly 16-game, nothing, cup of coffee. Who cares? Uh, he went 10 for 56 with 13 strikeouts. It wasn't great for Franco in, a, in a, like I said, a 16-game cup of coffee. But this year so far, he's up for 36 games. He has been on fire. He came up in mid-May and has basically just been crushing since then. That 4 for 5 yesterday for Franco gave him a, a, a string now of four straight multi-hit games, and he has – Oh, he's so out of his mind right now. Uh, a former top prospect for sure. You know, blue chip kind of guy. Uh, maybe not blue chip. Maybe the the level below that, whatever you want to say, if it's green chip, whatever the case. Because was never like a top 10 overall guy, but always in maybe the top 50 or better when it, when it came to the overall prospects. Michael Franco flashing some leather at third base too. This 22-year-old's having... Uh, the start of a breakout season it's still only 36 games in, so we don't know. But what do you think of this rookie? Uh, is, he, is he somebody that you're chasing down, especially if you're in a rebuild uh, looking toward next year? But also maybe this year if you're still competing because he's done so much with that power and he doesn't strike out. What do you think? Yeah, I love – these are the guys I love. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Franco and how, um, you know, I even said I'd rather have him than Gallo. Um, you know, That's I, right. That's that was when we got some good talk about him when was, was when Gallo came up and we were talking about some of these young third basemen. And, you know, I, I recognize that Gallo is going to have uh, more impact, uh, more impact power and that there's, are, there are often times when it makes it sense to go after that elite stuff, especially, you know, the shallower your league, the more you need to take the shots, the more you need the Gallos over the Francos. But yeah. I play a lot more deeper leagues and uh, I just love, getting good power with strikeouts. And even if the power goes back to sort of where his projections have him, you know, 180, 190, um, even there, he's still going to be a 20 homer type guy with a, you know, 270 batting average or worse. And it just, it's just a really nice floor. And he's showing us that there's more to him um, and there's more ceiling. And, you know, there was a whole thing on the MLB network about how he chokes up the bat and has a two-strike approach and yet still has power with that two-strike approach. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I think he'll have some times where he has to adjust back to the league. You know, they, um, Certainly, they may, he's 22. They may stop throwing him fastballs. You know, uh, Gallo gets 30% fastballs and Franco's been getting 55% fastballs. Uh, so that's a pretty big difference right there. Um, and you never know, um, you know, what happens when you start seeing a ton of breaking stuff. And especially if they give him the Andrew Jones treatment with this, you know, breaking stuff on the outside corner. Um, you know, who knows what happens then. But I really like him. I think he's definitely worth, uh, you know, getting. And I think that keeping his strikeout rate low all the way through the minor leagues as he advanced says that he's made adjustments in the past. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he hit triple A where there are pitchers that, you know, are major league type pitchers who can throw junk in any count and can command their off speed stuff. And yeah, his strikeout rate went up a little bit, but it was still uh, under 60, under 17%. So um, I, I think he can totally have like a 15 to 16% strikeout rate in the major leagues. 
which is with which a is 200 huge. ISO. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be huge for Franco. And you, you talk about adjustments. Uh, really impressed with the way that anytime he repeated a level, uh, crushed it. Uh, that second time around now only 17 games his first taste of a ball but only had a 349 OPS comes back 19 age 19 the next year full year there 775 which you know not not earth shattering but but was much better the real difference was triple a you mentioned last year full season there for an for a 21 year old it certainly wasn't bad nobody you can't come out and say it's bad but a 257 average 299 on base uh and a 428 slug left him with just a 727 ops still wasn't striking out like you mentioned this year comes back in triple a goes through 133 more games puts up a 923 ops so two nearly 200 point improvement that second time around still very young triple a still tough on a 22 year old and and he wasn't faced so i i like that and even the same kind of thing with his major league you know i told you that 16 game cup of coffee last year it was a washout comes back 36 games neither is a big sample but it's nice to see him basically be the polar opposite of what he was so i'm very impressed with franco i'm jumping on board here there are twenty. There are nineteen hitters with a two hundred ISO and a strikeout rate under twenty percent, uh, and those guys are all the guys. Studs. Odd yeah. Frazier, Albert Pujols, Mark Teixeira, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Jose Bautista, Anthony Rizzo, Brian Dozier, Stephen Vogt, Josh Donaldson, Miguel Cabrera, Joey Votto, Adrian Gonzalez, Manny Machado. I mean, you get into that group. Uh, congratulations. Maybe uh, Ruben Amaro will find a way to trade him. <laughs> Let's talk about Brock Holt. I, we have to. Uh, obviously, last year had the the kind of out of nowhere breakout season. It wasn't overwhelming, but it just did a little bit of everything while playing every freaking position. And obviously, that's where his that's where Brock Holt's value lies is that positional flexibility and kind of the do everything nature of his game. And he's right back at it again this year uh, with an even better batting average: 281 last year, 318 this year. You know. Two homers, four stolen bases, nothing major, just a little bit of everything for Brock Holt. And then you slot him in wherever you need him. Any injury pops up, you move him to that spot, and you can go pick up something else. I mean, that part definitely helps. I'm just so surprised that even with what appears to be a relatively underwhelming uh, profile overall, he's still rating as a, as a pretty solid player overall. Where are you on Brock Holt? I know he's a deep league play, but but even in those deep leagues, are you interested? Uh, you know, it's weird because they have got, they got Alejandro Diaz on this team and he's getting starts and that was a weird pickup. I thought, yeah, was, I mean, everything's weird. Uh, I, I didn't understand why they did that. Picked up an outfielder with, with, with flaws. They've got those. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to cover the flaws of all the other guys that you have. Why bring in another one? That's so weird. Uh, I but yeah, say that the, 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 his ISO right now is probably not that believable, considering that uh, it's almost double um, his projections and for Holt, you know, right? Yeah, for Holt, okay. it's way beyond anything that he's done before. So, and you know, in a small sample like this, if you take away one triple, he has four, and you take away you know one homer, he has two. Um, you know, his ISO goes down to probably his regular level. So, um, so you know. I wouldn't look too far, too closely at that. He does have some speed. He does have some versatility. I do think he can manage like a 280 type batting average and steal you five or six bases um, if you know where he's going to play. If you know, if you can be sure that he gets another 300 plate appearances um, this season. And we, and we can't. And 
we just can't be sure because yeah i'm just not sure where i mean you just have to assume then that pedroy gets hurt or pablo can't stay healthy or hanley gets hurt and you can assume those things because they have been oft hurt but uh it just depends on how much you're willing to ride on that if, if he's just sort of a bench waiver pickup then then that's fine. But if you're talking about acquiring him, especially in like an American league only league, mm-hmm. uh, a team, you know, fantasy league, then um, you, you probably gonna have to give up something of value to get Brock Holt in an AL only. And you and don't want to do that. I'm not sure that you, you can bank on 300 more plate appearances. No, if you've already got him or if he is, you know, maybe you're in a deeper league where he is still freely available and you think that he, he would be all right to be on a roster in that league. Although I doubt in a league where he's viable, he's available. Um, I would love to have him on my AL only leagues because of that versatility. And like I said, then you get to almost pick from the best of the available guys when somebody gets hurt, as opposed to being locked into a position. But like you're saying, if you got to pay something substantial to go get him, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But he's having a great year. He had a great year last year. Uh, just want to give him some run because I'm sure some folks are like, dude, why don't they talk more about sweet Brock Holt? Um, let's talk about Lorenzo Cain. Got off to that great start in April, as the whole team did, really. Uh, kind of came back to earth along with the whole team. They, they really were kind of mediocre at best, offensively speaking, in, in May. But he's back on fire in June. In fact, Kind of as the team goes, he goes lately because uh, they're kind of back uh, hitting as well as a, as a unit. So all told, it's been a great year for Lorenzo Cain. Building off of what he did last year, already has more homers than he did all of last year. Six. Uh, he had five and 502 plate appearances last year. He's one homer away from tying his career high, which incidentally he also got in 61 games uh, back in 2012 when he hit seven. And he's played 61 games so far this year. Uh, so we know what it is. It's, it's a little bit of speed, or excuse me, a little bit of power, good speed, and a good batting average. From Lorenzo Cain. I think when we talked about him in the past, one of the things that we've lamented or worried about is that the electric defense is almost a hindrance in fantasy because it could leave him laying out and maybe getting hurt. He stayed upright this year. He's been playing great while while in there. What do you think of Lorenzo Cain? Is this a true breakout year? Or is he just going to kind of go back and forth the way he did uh, from April to May to June? I like the fact that he sat the other day. Um, I think he sat yesterday, and he wasn't hurt. Um, so I, I think that uh, that sort of thing can maybe help coach him along. Because, I, you know, in talking about him, I've often said that, you know, I like him, but I just don't know how often he's going to stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for a guy who's 29, um, you know, to have a little bit of a power, uh, you know, surplus, I guess. I don't know how to put it. You know, he's kind of – it's not a surge, but yeah. it's, you know, a little it's bit a of a – jump. A little bit of a power jump. Um, you know, he, you know the steals are – you know, he's stealing bases at a slightly lower clip. Um, and he's showing more patience. These are kind of things that I think you can see from a 29-year-old. Nothing seems crazy. Nothing is out of line. It's there's just always the question for me about his health. And I think maybe if they coach him through it with a good backup like Dyson, they can do that um, and, and make sure that, you know, he tells them the truth about his body and, and stays out when he has to stay out. That, that, that's a good point there. Uh, and obviously, Casey specifically 
when when they're actually resting their guys, it's notable. Uh, Sal Perez has only played in 63 of their 67 games, and uh, 61 of 67 for Kane. And those are two guys they desperately need on the field for both sides of the field. So it is wise of them to maybe give them a blow here and there. I agree with you on Kane. You know, it, it, it's it is that worry of is he going to make the amazing diving play that that jams his wrist and he has to miss some time. I think I think this 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 jump we're seeing it's not a breakout it's not a surge the jump I think the jump is legitimate I would be surprised if he did much more than this and was like all of a sudden an 850 uh, or better OPS player he's at 793 right now I think that's perfectly viable somewhere in like the 775 to 810 sort of range would uh, be a decent jump from last year but nothing over the top so that's where we are that's where we're at on Kane what about Cameron Maben this guy former Former blue chipper for sure. He was he was a hot prospect. I mean, anytime you're you're the centerpiece uh, for a Miguel Cabrera deal, and and you know you can say it was him or Miller, uh, Andrew Miller, but either way, uh, this was a guy who for four years running was a top ten, or excuse me, three years running was a top ten prospect across the industry, and it never really panned out for Maven. He'd show flashes here and there. Uh, another guy who plays some electric defense, too, in center field, and injuries really took their toll. Still hasn't seen a 150-game season, to be honest. Uh, 61 games so far this year, five homers, 13 stolen bases. Cam Maven has been fantastic uh, to the point where he's actually the 39th best player uh, on the ESPN player rater for hitters, 39th hitter. He's been amazing. Is this finally uh, a breakthrough that we're seeing, or is this more of another uh, – it's it's good. It's a good surge, but it's not quite bankable. You know, I think you know part of the the thing with him always was the same thing as with Kane. It's just that you know we we haven't been sure that we can uh, trust his health. And um, you know, watching him play in the in the in the outfield is actually pretty fun. He no doubt he's not he maybe as um, you know he's not maybe as refined as some guys. Um, and, and maybe the roots aren't always great, but he can really fly and, uh, and he, you know, has some abandon to him. So, um, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to watch him, but you can also see that, you know, maybe this is where he, he gets himself hurt a little bit, but, exactly. you know, other than that, again, like with Kane, in terms of what he's doing on the field, uh, 28 year old, um, you know, no big power surge, uh, slight improvement in the strikeout rate and the, and the patience, um, you know, finally staying on the field and, and, and healthy. I mean, four stolen bases and seven attempts for the Padres last year. I think that was a little bit more about his health than anything. Agreed. Um, so, you know, now we're talking about a guy who given these rates, I don't think he, you know, he's, he's. If he could finish a full season, we're talking about a guy who's going to finish a season with a 280 batting average, 10 homers, and, and 25 stolen bases. So I, I, I'm going to ride him while while he's alive and 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 fully functioning. And um, and uh, I guess I'd trade him if you know a rebuilder saw him as a big asset to build around. But I doubt that's necessarily the case given his long-term profile. So he seems like one of those cash in the bank sort of situations. Yeah. Just happy with you got him on your team. 
Exactly. Take take the net value. He was probably a waiver pick, pickup, or, or at the worst, a, a very late round pick, and just enjoy that surplus because in the trade market, you're probably not going to be able to cash that in uh, for, for much of anything. He's just going to be worth more to you on your team than he is via trade unless, obviously, you just have some desperate needs. And the, that's a good thing with speed, though, is that uh, you know maybe even if somebody is a little bit dubious on kind of the other aspects of it with the batting average and the power for Mabin, maybe they just need the speed so they will still give you something legitimate to acquire that speed so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that how that goes with him uh we got to go ahead and and wrap this up we were able to talk about a handful of guys here i think maybe on thursday we'll talk about some pitchers that we haven't talked about quite as much as others cj wilson goes tonight so he'll, he'll have another game uh carlos martinez a young guy we haven't talked a whole bunch about him so we'll do that on thursday you know until then take care and we'll, we'll get some thoughts on your trade here and see what the uh, what the rest of the masses think off the ballpark, it's uh, the Padres again. I feel like I'm a Padres beat writer all of a sudden. But uh, I'm going to do a piece on Tyson Ross for tomorrow probably. And Ooh, uh, Very excited to read that. And uh, I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon. I, we, we're taking Thursday off? Oh, yeah, we are taking Thursday off. Sorry, I'm, I totally lied. I'm going out of town. So we're off Thursday. Maybe we can convene for something on Friday. I won't promise that. We'll talk about that offline. But other than that, Jason and I will be back Sunday. I, I forgot about that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me about my vacation. Everyone's uh, allowed to have a little break. I, I appreciate that. So, all right. <laughs> until then, uh, we'll definitely be back Sunday. And then, like I said, maybe Ian and I will find some time to do something on Friday. But until then, take care. All right. See you guys.